Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Julie Cullen, and I'm the managing editor of American Nurse Journal, the official peer-reviewed journal of the American Nurses Association. I'll be serving as the moderator of today's webinar, Unpacking Nursing Informatics, How One Career Path Can Expand Your Circle of Care. We've convened nursing informatics instruction experts to explore the critical need for experienced nurses in this essential and expanding field particularly in the age of artificial intelligence and IT-centric influence on medicine and patient care. Before we get started, let's review a few important housekeeping items. First, today's webinar will last about 45 minutes. You can submit your comments and questions to info at myamericannurse.com. A full recording of the webinar will be available within 72 hours, and you'll all receive a link in your email. The replay will be available on demand for one full year, and you'll be able to access it as often as you like at no charge. So I'd like to introduce you to our panelists today, Ellie Hunt, Veronica LaCambra, and Karen Munson. The Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society characterizes the complex field of nursing informatics as taking the clinical and the technical languages of health and translating them into one. Perhaps the least well understood of advanced professional nursing career options, nursing informatics holds the power to leverage the reach of nurses' influence and impact from floor-specific care to the wider community. From leveraging technology and clinical expertise to, ma to maintain the focus on patient safety to the application of data to stem the nation's opioid crisis, our panel today will relate underreported real-world cases that highlight how achieving an advanced degree in nursing informatics uniquely equips mid-career nurses to join in an aspect of the nursing profession that is revolutionizing the redesign of healthcare in the United States. Welcome, panel. Thanks so much for joining us today. Let's begin with you, Ellie. What's the true meaning of nursing informatics, and how is it changing healthcare? That is a great question. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me here today. Uh, it's informatics is my favorite topic, and I could I could just chat on about it um, all day long. So uh, nursing informatics, actually, next year is coming up on its 30th anniversary as a recognized specialty, and it's the least understood specialty, I think, simply because there just are not as many informatics nurses as there are nurses in other specialties. Um, in 2020, ANCC reported close to 3,000 informatics nurses with certifications, while uh, medical surgical specialty had 33,000 certified nurses with a total of 263,000 nurses, uh, clinical nurse specialists and nurse practitioners. So uh, what, what, what I really mean by that is in an organization, uh, you see lots of nurses and you see nurses who are certified, um, but you you may not, um, you know, I have students who, who they don't have an informatics nurse in their organization. So again, even though we're coming up on the 30th anniversary, um, uh, we're, we're, it's a growing specialty, and it's a great specialty um, because 
As mentioned, we are recognized uh, for our expertise in our clinical workflows, as well as our involvement in this data-driven quality improvement um, uh, initiatives that uh, involve enhancements to our health information systems um, at organizations, uh, creating EHRs for um, at, at vendors, uh, working in for third-party payers. Uh, you find informatics nurses actually as uh, school nurses. Um, uh, NASA has has informatics nurses um, working for them. So it's really um, it, it's a broad specialty, and uh, I think what makes us unique um, as a nursing specialty is that. We, we each bring our own clinical background, uh, so informatics nursing is as varied uh, as all of our different specialties are. Thanks, Ellie. Veronica, I'm wondering if you can answer this question. Um, why are nurses predisposed to document their interventions and assessments compared to other disciplines, and why does it matter? I like that question, Julie. Thank you so much. Ellie and I were talking about this question, too, and like what we've learned in nursing school, if you did not document it, you did not do it, right? So nurses tend to document more, and whether it is a templated documentation or free text documentation, they just like to document what they've done to the patients to to show that in their 12-hour shift or 8-hour shift, they've provided great care to their patients. I would just add to that, this is Karen, that, um, you know, that goes back to our Florence Nightingale, which doesn't it, Veronica, you know, uh, she said, write it down. And, and we we dutifully write it down all the time. And when you think about other um, disciplines in healthcare, they have more of an oral tradition, you know, and it, the physicians are much more likely to be dictating a note or talking to each other or reading an, um, uh, the truth that is somebody else's dictated note. And we're, we're handy with a pen. We've done this for a long, long time. Karen, since I have your attention, I'm going to ask you this next question. What's the gift of standardization, and why do we need it? This is such a key question. Uh, informatics relies on computers, and computers understand ones and zeros. And in order to create data from any other kind of a, a source, we have to turn it into a standardized way of representing knowledge so that it can be turned into a one or a zero so that this, the computer can understand this. So when we talk about standardization, it's like, okay, let's have a pick list of standardized items or let's have a note that's already populated with standardized content so that we can continually uh, document with rigor and accuracy, and the computer can understand us. And what's more, the computer can give us back the data. And this is, there's all different kinds of, of standardization and interoperability, all the way from, you know, the kinds of um, assessments that we're recording, but there's also ways of sending data uh, through regular channels like uh, CCD or uh, HL7 or um, all of the different kinds of standards that we have 
in our nursing care. I totally agree, Dr. Munson. Um, there is a lovely uh, online journal um, of issues in nursing uh, published by ANA that, and it was published back in 2008 by Rutherford that describes the how and why of standardized terminologies, and we still have students read it because it nicely explains why, the why of why nursing should use a standardized uh, language, either on paper or uh, captured in electronic health record, as Dr. Munson described. Um, I had a former dean, Dr. Norma Lang, who once stated, if we can't name it, we can't control it, we can't practice it, teach it, finance it, or put it into public policy. And um, nursing needs that unique language to express what it does so that we can, uh, we can share uh, nursing care that we've, that we've done. We can share it across systems. It can be coded and stored in databases or data repositories um, and, and used in analytics uh, to develop and support these, our evidence-based standards. Uh, we can innovate new standards and validate the contribution of nursing care to patient outcomes. So um, one thing that I am a, a co-coordinator of the um, Alliance for Nursing Informatics Policy Committee, and if you can believe it, we still don't have a unique way of identifying nurses. So we've come a long way in standardized um, uh, languages, but we, don't have, we still don't have a unique way of identifying nurses uh, that have been approved for use in health information systems. And, uh, you know, it's being worked on, and A&I and um, Big Data Science Policy and Advocacy Work Group is, um, is uh, co-sponsoring um, using the National Council of State Boards of Nursing ID uh, to, as a unique nurse identifier so that we can, um, we can identify uh, the great nurses that are doing this documentation and, uh, and codify that as well. Ellie, kind of continuing along the line of um, standardized, term standardized terminologies, can you talk a little bit about the differences between the terminologies? Uh, I can start it, and then I'll throw it over to Dr. Munson because we have a rock star in a <laughs> of standardized terminologies. Um, but essentially, um, standardized terminologies are, are just are a way of uh, coding, as Dr. Munson explained, uh, what it is that we that we do. Um, we know nurses uh, document, and the purpose of uh, mapping that documentation is to provide that link between one terminology and another so that we can repurpose the data um, and use it for machine learning or predictive analytics. Uh, we can use the data collected uh, for another purpose, such as, you know, we initially capture it for taking care of patients, but then it can be used for research. Um, and so that we, when we share this information from system to system, that it, that it essentially means the same thing. Um, that, you know, a blood pressure recorded is, is recognized as a recorded blood pressure in another system. So that's what we mean by sharing data across systems. If we're all, um, as Dr. Munson explained, if it's coded as zeros and ones behind the scenes and it's shared and we don't agree on what that language is, then you know, it could pop into a weight field in another system. 
So I'll toss it over to you, uh, Dr. Munson. Thank you, Dr. Hunt, and thanks for your kind words. Um, truly, standardization and standardized terminology has changed my life. And I'll just tell you that back in 1997, um, probably when you were in kindergarten or so, uh, I was a manager in the public health department, and I was charged with document um, implementing an electronic health record for our nursing documentation in that health department. And I... 1999, we implemented an electronic health record, and in three months' time, I was trying to find outcomes in that data because that's what my director needed. And what I found was a nursing terminology, and that truly changed my life. Uh, it took me from the health department back to school to try to understand the voices and the data of the nurses and of their patients, and from there on to finish a research degree and I've continued on that quest, all the while still inspired by the value of the data to help us understand nurses, nursing care, nursing care quality, patients, patient outcomes, and uh, you know what evidence-based practice, practice-based evidence, it's all there. And it's all there because we have invested decades into developing these terminologies. And as you mentioned, we are able to understand how these terminologies link to one each other, one another as well. So that's really valuable. Um, and for me, it's, it's the notion that we can understand what the nursing minimum data set back in 1970s said we should try to understand. What is the diagnosis? What are the interventions and what are the outcomes? And those are the critical elements. So if you are using a standardized terminology with those kinds of attributes, you will be able to study those kinds of things. And I, I um, bought software without knowing any of this, which points us to this idea that, um, you know, electronic health records and other, you know, sorts of electronic tools and communications are now forming what we know as healthcare. And it's, we are now thinking within the context of what we see in these tools. So it's really influencing our thoughts as well as our ability to perform and have high quality care. And that's why it's so vital for us to really understand what is this coding that we see and how are we using it. Thank you both. Um, Veronica, I wanted to ask you, yes. um, why, why does that data visualization, such as through data mining and exploratory data analysis, why does that matter? Data vi visualization, data mining, and um, are, are being um, is very important for us, not just the nursing informaticists, but also uh, for nurses to understand what they mean because we can use it for um, day-to-day -day interaction with our patients. Patients like data. Patients, we can, we can convince patients to be more health conscious and to be more engaged in their plan of care, when we show them data, data that proves 
maybe improvement or data that is backed with evidence-based that uh, certain um, practices, health practices, can help them achieve their goal when it comes to achieving um, health improvement. Um, there is a, um, or John Hopkins actually has in their website the data, uh, daily data motion where they actually show where you can go in. Anybody can go in and click on that, and it's, it just plays and plays and show you data, and it's more uh, COVID-related nowadays, but we can always make use of that as a guide when we develop certain um, maybe dashboards or maybe metrics that shows trends and uh, trends that shows improvement in our uh, population. So um, I think it is, it is really important to mine data because we want to make sure we are collecting and we are able to collect those data that will eventually support best practices, support initiatives that can, um, that can eventually be used for better patient outcomes. And I'm going to um, throw that to Ellie as well. Thank you, Dr. LaCambra. It's just data visualization is one of my favorite um, topics, hot topics, because we, you know, we don't do enough of it. Um, if we can present data in a way that reduces a cognitive load on the clinician and assists with their decision making, then we've done our job well. Um, and, and, you know, based on what Veronica was saying is just think of that, think of the, uh, the Johns Hopkins data in motion as telling the story about, uh, about COVID and and where we are at that point in time. Um, it just uh, Johns Hopkins really has done a beautiful job of bringing, bringing the story of COVID to life uh, using very impactful data analytics. And it would just be incredible if we could kind of slice and dice our, um, our patient care data to tell that story of a patient's care or a patient care unit's care or a community's um, needs. Um, you know, telling, telling that story of, of where we are now and where, where the gaps are and so that we can, um, so that we can address them. So this is Karen, and I will just add to that. Uh, it is so compelling, and I appreciate the messages, particularly regarding um, visualization at the point of care, visualization influencing patient outcomes and patient uh, self-care, and all of our understanding of population health. So we can take it one step further, and we can say, how can we use this data and repurpose it for research? And the, the point of exploratory data analysis is to find patterns in the data that we wouldn't have anticipated seeing otherwise. So we have that research ability now that we have these wonderful large data sets to, to go in and see what is it, what's that thing that's really making the difference for this patient? What's that thing that's really the cluster of patients that we need to be paying attention to? And these are fascinating studies that really um, lift up the voice of the nurse 
and show the value of these powerful nursing observations and nursing intervention to create change and how they are actually um, working. And, and not just, oh, we can do this someday. No, we're doing this now. We're 20 years ahead of other disciplines in nursing because of the scholarship that's gone into developing the data that we now generate. Thank you, Karen. Um, I'm going to ask this question to each of you. Maybe we can start with you, Karen. How do you engage a community in understanding health and healthcare through data? The first step is to have a community. So uh, I think that's one of the really wonderful things about being a nurse. You're always connected to people. So wherever you're connected to people, uh, all you have to do is show them their data and you'll have them engaged. And I'll pass it along to the next person. Ellie, would you like to take it next? Sure. Um, when I think of um, when I think of nursing, uh, I think of how, uh, Dr. Linda Aiken describing um, how nurses act as a surveillance system for an organization through documentation through their documentation. Right. So we provide that early detection and response to to patients' uh, adverse events. Um, through the data collection and documentation. And I think that can be translated to the community at large as well. So as, as we gain information about a community, um, one of our, you know, I think one of our responsibilities as, an, as informatics nurse specialists are to ensure that, we're, um, that we, we think about patients, um, their families, uh, the communities that they live in, and the states that they live in, and, and it just, you know, gets wider and wider. And use that data um, to present that, the summary of the issues that are faced by that community, um, and use it to uh, re make recommendations to stakeholders, in addition to getting uh, their input. Veronica, and this is Yes, yes. So when when talking about engaging the community uh, to understand healthcare, it reminds me of the new care model today uh, that is called uh, home hospital. Some call it advanced care home, wherein patients who meet the criteria are actually admitted in the hospital as a as a patient. However they do not stay in the hospital. They stay in their houses. They stay in their home. And along with that, the purpose is for them to stay at home, be with their family, and still receive that inpatient care and all the tasks that they need until they actually reach a phase wherein they are on their way to recovery. And that reminds me of community involvement, because when the patient is at home, his community, which is his, his immediate community, is his family, and they are pretty much involved, because the goal is not to send the patient back to the hospital, but to keep him at home, although in an inpatient status, but then still has that ability to rehabil rehabilitate and um, achieve that 
recovery stage wherein he can actually go back to uh, where he was before he got sick and was brought to the hospital. So for me, when um, when families and patients start start to see the benefits of home hospital or advanced care home, they see the data, they see the success of these of this new model of care. They actually are more engaged in their care, and even the family members are. Thank you, Ellie. I'm going to ask this um, question of you as well, Ellie. Um, what is resilience, and how we can, how, how can we discover resilience in our patients' lives and in their data? You tapped into another favorite topic of mine. Um, so think of resilience um, as as kind of a, a grouping of skills that could include things like self-awareness, mindfulness, self-care, um, connectedness uh, to, their, to their community of care, a uh, sense of purpose. Um, so if we think about, if you think about that um, skill set, uh, they are things that can be strengthened um, and reinforced uh, through you know various activities. So um, you know, j just because you might be thinking, I don't do a great job with self care, th that can be learned. So that's one piece of it. Um, so if we're identifying uh, a patient's um, resilience, again, we can find gaps uh, that might be impacting their care and and improve them uh, through data. We can also use their data to to check on them to see if they're self isolating um, or you know, to see how often they're logging into their patient portal. Um, how are they connecting to their treatment plan? Are they clicking into resources? Um, are they sending messages to their um, to their care team, um, or are they asking questions? So all of that, um, you know, that that kind of builds that data set. Uh, to around the patient and their care um, that that speaks to their resilience and response. Thank you, Ellie. Dr. Hunt, that is oh. Dr. Hunt. That's wonderful. I I love all of your ideas about tapping into resilience, and I'll just share that we have some uh, re research in that area right now, using a consumer-facing app where we can ask people what are their strengths and and actually calculate a score for resilience. Um, we can identify which areas are more resilient than others, and we've, we've seen quite a change in uh, the responses since COVID-19 came up upon us here with uh, huge changes in mental health, physical activity, social contact, um, the ability to sleep, and of course, income. All of these areas, uh, we've seen a decline in resilience, and we need to turn to other areas so that we can bolster the uh, resilience of our patients in our communities. And the beautiful part about this is that it's all standardized. So it's got the same structure as clinical standards, and that we can weave these data right into a clinical data set. And that just gives us the opportunity to see people more as a whole person rather than just the disease. And I love how you talked about uh, putting the patient at the center and building their resilience. And uh, so if, 
anyone's interested, our app is called My Strengths, My Health, and it's available at no charge for uh, educators and researchers at our website at the University of Minnesota. That is great, Dr. Monson. Yeah. That is wonderful that you are um you have that study going on um with the COVID-19 pandemic. I think everyone has proven that we are resilient. Our patients are resilient, our caregivers are resilient, nurses are resilient. Um I I love how the IHI or Institute for Healthcare Improvement define resilience in their white paper when they described it as the ability to bounce back quickly from setbacks. And we did face setbacks for more than a year, and it's still ongoing. But we have seen through data and through our electronic health records how resilient our patients are. They uh, have faced setbacks, but they they bounce back, seen by their uh, engagement and their care in their compliance with their medications and uh, in follow in following follow up visits I'm sorry follow up visits with their physicians or primary care providers when we all switched to virtual visits our patients went into virtual visits they they were equipped for virtual visits or they equipped themselves if not the organ healthcare organizations help them equip themselves to be able to show up to their uh, virtual visits. And for me, I think that is a perfect example of how resilient our patients are. Thank you. Uh, Karen, I understand that you were recently involved in a novel case study of applied nursing informatics. Can you tell us about that and how community data informed next steps on the opioid public health crisis there? Be so honored to share our work with community in Minneapolis. Um, we were invited to partner with the Human Partnership and Black Nurses Rock and other community partners in Minneapolis around the opioids crisis. And this was back in 2018 or so. We we began our collaboration and we worked with community members to decide what we should do. Uh, when they said we want to switch, we want to shift the paradigm from one of deficits to one of strengths, we knew where to go. And we uh, started to say, what kind of data would you like about your community to understand strengths in the community? And the community helped us pick out the concepts that they wanted to explore with community, and we put together a survey about opioids and the survey about My Strengths, My Health, and we used our app. We went into community and we learned that in community, we have far more strengths than we do have challenges. And we can give that data back. Once we have really good data, we can give it back to community so community can make decisions and create new policy changes coming from the people themselves, not coming from some outsider who only does research to get funding or to write a paper. And the reason that this has been so successful is because we are boots-on-the-ground nurses who have that connection with people 
people, we have a trusting relationship and we invite the community to co-lead with us so that we get, number one, what the community wants and number two, good data. Because what the community wants needs to also be good data. It has to be a win-win. And so we've learned, um, we've, we moved forward from that original study about opioids um, into a COVID-19 opioid study where we found out that people with opioids, people with substance use problems of any sort were five times more likely to have other health problems during COVID-19. And these kinds of findings are actionable. The Minneapolis Public Health Department can take these findings and, and the people um, who responded to the survey showed us that what they really need is care coordination. They need to find the resources to, to be able to address this opioid problem. They don't want information. They don't want check-ins. They don't want somebody to come and do something to them. They want the resources. And that's so valuable to the city of Minneapolis. And we also found out that black and African-American respondents from Minneapolis were more likely to have more strength than the black and African-American respondents from other parts of the world. So we felt really positive about providing these data back to the community. And the next step is because some of our greatest strengths were found in our neighborhoods and in our um, spiritual communities, faith communities. We are now moving this study into uh, churches in collaboration with the Mayo Clinic, and we're starting data collection on this next round in July. Thank you so much, Karen. That was really interesting. Um, I, this last question I'm going to um, ask each of you. I'm just going to go around. I'd, let's start with you, Ellie. Um, what can informatics nurses do to ensure that the nursing perspective comes through in big data? That is a great question. So um, first we have to understand that electronic health records are not the only source of patient data. So data is being generated by patients through wearable devices. They're voluntarily um, entered through fitness and other monitoring apps, through you know the My Strengths, My Health app. Um, they are, um, we have data collected around social determinants of health, which can exist outside of electronic health records. So that's, that's the important thing to realize is that, you know, so often as informatics nurse specialists, we focus on electronic health records, but the world is so much wider than that. Uh, data is literally everywhere. That's where we, we move toward um, data repositories. So it's pulling data together or data lakes. So it's pulling data together um, from disparate sources, from different sources. And what that is giving us is that we're seeing this shift from, from managing patient care and managing quality uh, from retrospective reporting, which is how we used to do it, uh, more toward real-time use of data. And we're seeing this through dashboards and other data visualizations uh, to assist in decision-making, you know, clinical decision support. And um, th the next step is, is where a lot of the research is being done now 
using machine learning to use use big data to use use the data that's collected to um, to to learn and innovate and identify those patterns uh, that that are um, that might that lead us toward more predictive analytics. Um, so, what's a good example? So, say say a, a provider has just issued a patient prescription, and um, and has a uh, this might even exist, but I'm just kind of making it up here. Likelihood of uh, maybe a likelihood score of a patient actually filling that prescription on their own, and if we could demonstrate, just you know, give a little indication that the likelihood of that patient filling that prescription is low, perhaps that provider could then provide give samples to the patient until the follow-up visit to determine if that, if that particular medication is working. Um, so whereas previously maybe a provider needed an established relationship with a patient or gut feeling to, to identify that need, um, uh, really, what we could do is is have data inform us of, oh, you know what? Wh why don't we offer this resource or the other resource um, in order to ensure that um, a patient uh, gets the care that they need? Thank you, Ellie. Um, Veronica, would you like to take that question next? Yes. So when I was uh, looking at this question, it reminds me of my role as an informatics nurse specialist. I work closely with uh, nurses, not just clinic nurses, but also nurses uh, at the bedside, nurses in surgery. And yes, we, we use the electronic health record for documentation purposes, for uh, reporting, but oftentimes when we build the EHR or when we customize it, after purchasing it from the vendor. We customize it and we sometimes we forget to get the input, get the perspective of our nurses who largely use the system to document care, to document medication administration, to document Foley catheter care that is going to prevent Cotty or catheter-associated UTI, but we don't see that sometimes as informatics nurses. And so when we have that close relationship with our nurses at the front lines, um, asking their feedback, how can we improve the EHR in order to reflect what the care that they are truly providing to their patients and so that we can capture it in and measure it and turn it into a metrics that is really showing what we do as nurses. And we, we just do not teach them, okay, the, this is your EHR, you are go going to document on it. But if we try and, and educate them so that they understand that what they're doing in the system, what they're documenting, is actually feeding into some kind of metrics that maybe CMS is measuring or the Joint Commission is uh, looking at. Every time they come and visit, they go immediately to the patient's chart and uh, look at how pain assessment was documented or pain intervention was documented. 
They know that, but they don't know the whys behind it because they don't understand the importance of collecting that data. And then um, also there's that NDNQI that measures nurse-sensitive quality indicators. Uh, we also have that HCAPS uh, patient survey where nursing care is actually measured through how often did they provide education before they administered a medication, or did they provide discharge instructions before they even gave the paperwork to the patient. So it is truly, um, it's truly an eye-opener for me as an informatics for six years. As a bedside nurse for more than 20 years, I never understood why my nurse manager is having everyone do things a certain way, document a certain way. When I became a nurse informaticist, I saw the other side. When nurse managers come to me and they say, Veronica, I need to run this report, how many uh, required documentation wasn't done within 24 hours? And that made that really opened my eyes. That was an eye opener for me, and I tried to share that to the nurses uh, that I support. Thank you, Veronica. Karen, would you like to address that question as well? I'd be honored. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit different approach here and talk about what our voice is as nurses within all of this uh, technology. And it can show up as an algorithm where we say, okay, uh, if this person's had their Foley catheter in for too long and there's, a, there's an alert that says, okay, nurse, better think about that. We can put nursing's intelligence into electronic platforms in that way. That's how the nursing perspective comes through. We can also ensure that our documentation is standardized using uh, nursing terminology. That's how the nursing perspective comes through. And the, the policy needs to be respectful of nurses because what, we can't ask them to document more than they care for patients. And we've had entire nurses associations come out anti-EHR because it's, it's uh, such a cause of burnout and, and uh, clinician dissatisfaction. So we have to make sure that the nursing perspective comes through uh, in respectful and uh, correct doses so that what we chart is actually used and what we use is actually important um, and not just somebody's idea, oh, we should collect that. And by the way, wouldn't the nurse just be the one to, to click that box? So there's got to be a whole level of perspective above the build that um, ensures that the nurse's perspective is both um, unbiased, uh, treats everybody respectfully no matter what. We don't want any algorithms that might be um, causing any implicit bias or racism in healthcare. We want to make sure that everything we document is valuable and so that we can reduce documentation as much as possible. And we want to make sure it's standardized so that it can be reused and 
repurposed for data that can inform our future work. So um, we are the ones who understand that nurse, that 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 um, people are whole persons, that they have strengths, challenges, and needs, that these strengths, challenges, and needs may be across environmental, psychosocial, physiological, and behavioral domains. We're the ones who get that whole person help. We're the ones that can tie everything together, and it's up to us to be vigilant and make sure that happens. Thank you, Karen, and thank you, Ellie and Veronica. Audience, we're ready to take your questions, and we'll try to answer as many as time will permit today. So let's start with our first question. Um, do any of the panelists perceive any barriers, either professional or personal, that um, would prevent them from, that would prevent nurses from pursuing the, the informatics specialty? Hi. If, if you are a um, nurse working in another field and you are contemplating of going into nursing informatics, there are factors that you need to think about and you need to consider. When I became a nursing informaticist, one thing that I had to think about was the time I have to be at work. For years and years, I was used to working three days a week. I enjoyed my day off, which could vary from two to three days. I used to work night shifts. If I accepted the nursing informatics position, I would be working Monday to Friday from 8 to 5. And sometimes I can be on call. During downtime, I can also be called, called in to uh, support maybe go live events, provide at the elbow support. So time and work hours is one thing that you need to consider, which for me, I never regretted it. I, I, when I started working as an informaticist, I didn't know the difference. I couldn't tell the difference between working 36 hours a week or 40 hours a week. I just enjoy what I do. Another thing is there, there might be travel. You might be asked to travel. There might be some training that you need to go to, you need to complete. Training that is not even related to nursing at all. Training that does not talk about diseases or diagnosis or nursing interventions, nursing care plans. It's all about uh, computer technology jargon. It's about words you've never heard of before. But if you are someone who is looking for an adventure in life, because I see informatics as an adventure for me. If you are someone who is looking to uh, work in a field that is still pretty young, but very uh, very rewarding in another in another way, then uh, you might think of, am I willing to travel? Am I willing to leave my family for a week or maybe for, for three days just to go and get certified or just to go and uh, complete that training? So those are the things you need to consider as well. Dr. LeCambre, I love that. Um, 
and that sparked another thought. This is uh, uh, Dr. Ellie Hunt. And I just wanted to mention that uh, here at WGU, I've had students um, kind of uh, choose, choose nursing informatics without necessarily giving thought um, to opportunities that may exist in their own organization or think about opportunities for advancement. Um, and and I, I would take a moment that if you're if you're considering uh, joining the specialty to to reflect on on whether you um, you want to travel uh, perhaps to a different state or a different location or change organizations in order to uh, get a position in nursing informatics. Um, in addition to knowing that there may be some uh, travel associated with training uh, and development in in your specialty, um, so. Uh, consider that as well. Uh, some some organizations have you know have really strong departments and are constantly hiring, whereas uh, some other organizations might have a a department that's that's pretty well set and it's a little bit harder to break into. Uh, so I would just I would just consider that um, as you are you know thinking about a career change. So I have another question here, um, talking about documentation. So when we think about all of the documentation that nurses do, discrete or free text, um, do you, the panelists, see any consideration to where that document the documentation flows downstream? Who sees it, what actions are taken on it, and how it impacts the patient outcomes um, in order to make decisions on what documentation is actually necessary for the patient's care versus simply documenting what care activities the nurses complete. Hi, this is Karen. Can you hear me? Yes, yes we can, Karen. Karen. Uh, it's a great question, and the answer is it, it just depends. And why is, it, why is the answer it just depends? Because every single electronic health record in which we document is unique. Every single one has been customized. Everybody has been sold a bill of goods. They say uh, you can do anything you want, and and yes, you can, but then you may not get your data back. Um, so the flow of information totally depends on what you've got that you're putting the information into. And I had friends who bought a software program out in Washington State, and they said um, they never were able to get a single data point out of that thing. So when you're in that situation, it we nurses must be at the table. We must be helping make decisions about what we put in and where the data flows to and what we get out. And uh, we have just been extremely fortunate that in some cases it's worked out that somebody with um, the vision of reusing data started with standardization and created templates that were standardized and created a workflow that made sense for nursing so that in the end we could get data out and give the data back to the nurses and to, to the stakeholders. So uh, be at the table, help make those decisions. I agree with Dr. Monson. This is Veronica. So as nurses, we do a lot of documentation, maybe more than anyone else in our organization. And sometimes it can be frustrating, and sometimes we, can, we think of it as a hindrance of providing patient care. We get a lot of that comment. We spend so much time documenting. It's, it's staring at our, the computer instead of 
talking and providing care, right? But on the other hand, in the back end of that, we all know, and I've I realized that being in the informatics field, that everything that we document, everything that we enter in the system, it goes to people. It goes to your CNO, CNIO. It goes to leadership. They have to. There are there are rules or there are laws that we healthcare organizations have to comply with, and we realize that when we get surveyors. Um, visits, right? For example, joint commission. I had an experience of assisting um, surveyors and uh, just going around a, surg- a surgical department. And then after that, they said, we want to see a patient's chart, right? And the first thing they wanted to see was, show me a patient who had surgery yesterday, and I want to see the pain assessment. First, I want to see the order. What was the order for pain? So the nurse, because they don't want informaticists to show them that. They want the nurse because they were the ones who documented it. They want them to be able to show them where they documented it. So show me where the order is. Okay, the order was fentanyl. Give fentanyl every two minutes for pain of this scale. And then what was, when was the pain administered? How often was the pain administered? And then what was the patient's response? If, you, if the nurse documented everything, that was like a thumb, thumbs up for the joint commission. If you miss a field because you were too busy, document what you did for the patient. It was a ding. So that is one importance of the documentation. And yes, uh, we, we probably don't realize it today. But when the data is needed, it has to be available, and we need to know where that data can be pulled from. Thanks, Veronica. Um, Ellie, we were, um, I think you had mentioned that you might want to answer this question. Um, what has been your most singular click in your own experience in applying the information you have gathered that led to an insight about a patient's care plan which impacted their outcome? Uh, so I, I really love this question because I've actually had several moments, um, those kind of aha moments, each one broad, uh, broadening my impact on patient care or my understanding of how how I can impact patient care. So the first moment happened when I was a, a relatively young a nurse uh, working evenings as an informatics nurse implementing our uh, provider order entry system. Things were kind of slowing in the recovery room, so I popped into um, into the break room and was listening to a conversation that a group of perioperative nurses were having related to latex allergy evidence. So I know I'm dating myself here, but this is before latex allergy was known as a thing. It was just coming coming out in the evidence. And they shared the research articles they were working with because uh, the symptoms of a latex allergy exactly matched one of my uh, private duty home care pediatric patients. So I shared the, those articles with the patient's mom who uh, ended up removing all latex from the patient's uh, care and, and even play uh, because there were latex uh, balloons and that sort of thing that, the, that, were, that were involved in some of the um, therapy. And it was life-changing for that patient. 
uh, removal of latex actually eliminated every respiratory issue uh, that that patient had. Um, and that really woke me up to the power of listening, to the power of evidence and sharing evidence. Then the next moment is when um, I, I uh, spearheaded a design for a patient care summary used by nurses in my own organization, and I shared it out at a users group conference. And the next thing I know, uh, my college roommate called me up and said, why was my name showing up on her medication administration record, and how did I do that? So that opened my eyes to the impact that we have as informatics nurses. Instead of caring, you know, for one patient or a set of patients as a as a staff nurse, an informatics nurse really impacts patient care uh, at, a, at a much larger scale. And then, you know, ultimately that's what led me to teaching nursing informatics uh, to students here at WGU. Every student that we connect with and graduate with their um, Masters of Science in Nursing goes on to impact their organization's delivery of care through through their health information system. So I really appreciated that question. Thanks, Ellie. Um, it looks like we only have time for one more question. So um, here it is. Um, how do we use community and school portals to advance wellness in school nurse settings? Julie, I like that question. This is Veronica. I say that because as a course instructor at WGU College of Health Professions, I teach um, field experience and capstones. And one of my students' projects, she works as a school nurse. And she's like, Veronica, is this considered a health information system? They have some kind of a system that they use in the clinic. And I said, yes, that is a health information system. And, and their project is to optimize their existing or propose an optimization to their existing health information system. So he proposed to have a dashboard, to create a dashboard in their system, where that dashboard will display a list of students, of the frequency of how the frequency of students' visit to the clinic, the reasons why they came to the clinic. In addition to that, he also wants that dashboard to show which student needs still needs immunization records or, or to complete their immunization. And he wants to make sure that parents can actually communicate to the school nurses about their kid or about their children, uh, health-related issues or health-related concerns. And I told him that is a great optimization project. Go for it. And he received um, support from his leadership. He wasn't aware about it, about dashboards before. But when we started talking about it, how to optimize it um, to its full capacity, and maybe it's not possible. It really depends on the vendor. It really depends on that system, right? Each system is different, but we can always explore as informaticists. We have the idea. We want to improve our patient's population's health, and we want to use technology to do that. So it is possible to propose that. Um, portal, use it for communication, parents to school nurse or school nurse to parents. And uh, using the portal, the, pa the parents of the children, school children, can also see their children's uh, immunization, immunization records or maybe 
notes that were written by uh, the school nurses. That will actually improve engagement of the parents and collaboration among school nurses and uh, the parents. Thanks, Veronica. And thank you to all of our panelists today. And thank you to everyone who joined, in, joined us. I hope you have a great day. Thank <laughs> you.